doesn't work right now okay we're recording all right ready welcome to episode number seven of the wicked creative collective podcast i am super excited to announce our guest today it is my good friend judy fox who is a linkedin creator and trainer extraordinaire and also a wonderful social media marketer and consultant and just really impresses me with her ability to know so many things about so many different platforms and how they all fit together. So Judy and I first met about a year ago and she was gracious enough to let me into her DMs and have really awesome conversations with me and answer all of my questions. And so welcome Judy to the Wicked Creative Collective. Woo, so excited to be here. <laughs> that was a great introduction, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I also welcomed you into my uh, cell phone too. That's right, that's right. You did welcome me into oh, your cell phone. a lot of welcoming. <laughs> I was gonna just say something to you, Ashley, because you had like the sun, like the deity thing going on. So I didn't, you know, I was gonna be like, maybe you should move. Yeah. But no one can see that on recording. All right. So first question that we always like to ask our guests on the show is what did you learn this week? But it's Monday, so what did you learn last week, Judy? I learned and I was telling you guys before the show, I learned that when you open up your calendar to anyone booking a call with you, you don't know what you're going to get, <laughs> even if you have an application process. So that's, uh, I'm launching my next round of group coaching and that happened last week. That's good. We're actually going to talk a lot about that. So How about you, Ashley, <laughs> what did you learn this past week? I learned that I want to be a person who makes my bed every morning, which sounds really weird, but uh, I started doing that over the weekend because I was feeling particularly homey and really realized how nice it is to get into a fresh made bed every night. And so I learned that that's something I want to do. Do you like sleeping with the covers all tucked in? No, I, but my husband does and it drives me insane because I have to have my feet poking out. Oh, me so. too. My, my wife looks like a burrito. She like she has a, like the shroud around her and everything. Yeah. A, what I learned, and I told you guys off camera, and that's why uh, Joe first technology. Technology wins again. Uh, I bow to you, Zoom, to the Zoom gods. You have now defeated me. Um, but I got locked out of my account, and I'm trying to figure out how to get in. So if anyone knows uh, Zoom customer service, let me know. Um, but I lose to technology constantly. So. That's a nice self awareness moment there, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So. Judy, you are somebody that I have gotten to know really well over this past year. And I had mentioned in my intro that, you know, you were gracious enough to connect with me and give me your time when I was a brand new LinkedIn connector and I think had, or LinkedIn creator. And I think I had like, I don't know, 400 and something connections to your 20 plus thousand. And so what really strikes me about you is your willingness to connect and collaborate with people. And so but the, the funny thing is, is that I was blown away by it in the beginning because I'm like, wow, she gave me her time. But what I continue to be blown away by as I know you is your ability to seriously, like to keep that up at scale. Like you are such a, you are such a powerful force. You're such a great engager and just really willing to give back to your community. So what do you think 
makes you able to do this? Do you have any practices or is it just something that feels very natural to you? I think number one, it feels pretty natural. I also, number two, try to as quickly move forward from anything that causes tension in the wrong direction. And I notice a lot of people, and I was guilty of it at one point, where even just having somebody book a call and it wasn't, I didn't hesitate. I just quickly said, and as fast as you can, move on from anything that doesn't serve your highest good. Mm-hmm. And so it, the faster you move on from that, you truly free up hours probably of your day and, and also your mind. It's yeah. incredible. So, and it's hard because some people don't like that vibe and that energy of how quickly you might move on from somebody that might not be serving your highest good. And you both show up in a way that is real and authentic. So I'm happy to stay in close connection with those contacts mm-hmm. and people who are just, they're not all bent out of shape if for some reason I took a couple months offline. You know, there's these people that I feel like if you aren't on their content 24 seven, they ask you, where'd you go? And, but not necessarily from a place of where'd you go, but where'd you go on my content? (laughs) Right. No, I, I, just to speak off of that, that's a, it's a great answer. Um, I mean, I just went through something recently too, that I had someone reach out to me. I saw Saw you on a podcast, uh, you know, I really wanted to get to, you know, connect with you, get to know you, collaborate. I'm like, all right, great. Let's do a call. I'm going to rope in my colleague, Grant. I shouldn't have said his name, but I did. And we're going to talk about, you know, how we can collaborate together. And then I found out it was a sales call. It was like, okay, that was, you finally, like, you, you piqued my interest because you said how you found me and everything like that. Then you just want to sell me something. Because I asked him before the call, is this collaboration or are you looking at me for a customer? And honestly, if you just straight up forward with me, I would not have been offended. Just tell me you try and sell me something. That's okay. Just don't guise it as something else. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that too, Judy, because I've had those experiences. I talked about it in one of our other podcast episodes of when you get on in the beginning and you are, you know, you're actively engaged, you're going to have those people that reach out with you that just, it's not a fit or they don't necessarily understand what it is that you can do to help them, but they, they feel like they just need help and they don't know where to go. And so they book a call and That was one thing that really uh, helped me to be more productive and successful on social media was protecting my time and just kind of asking those kind of, I I would say hard questions in the beginning, just to make sure that we're in alignment somehow, because it's also wasting the other person's time to be quite honest. If we're getting on the phone and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm not making an impact with the results that I can have for the clients that I have. If I'm spending my time in any you know, people talk about the entrepreneurial journey as a roller coaster. I truly think you can minimize some of the ups and downs by just getting really healthy in your mental real estate that you own. You own this space and we let too many people and how they're showing up online start affecting us. So I don't think from a place of, um, oh, I need to unfollow people. Some people go that direction. I think I'm in control of my newsfeed. I'm in control of my DMs. If I have a problem that's within me to solve and I can go out, solve it, control, like not control, but you know, have my power over my mental real estate. And that has served me so much stronger. And it makes me cut through some of the conversations that I don't necessarily see, like you said, where I can see quickly that 
that might not be the best fit. Or what I've learned is the art of pausing. Mm. So pausing, uh, getting on a call too quickly because I've learned early on in my journey on LinkedIn that I have to sometimes pause with people and say, hey, let's just stay connected in the comments and content online. And if you really do mean it, then it will show up over time. Yeah, that's so true. And it, I see that a lot when it comes down to people reach out to me for copywriting help and they still have had to do a certain amount of work when it comes to understanding their audience and their customer because that's not the work that I do. The work that I do is taking, taking that um, and, and amplifying it, right? And so when they come to me and they want me to do all that work beforehand, I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's, I can't help you. And so talk to, let's stay connected. Talk to me in six months. Yeah. Well, it, it was like from a social media marketing perspective, what I do, it's one of those things like, what goals are you trying to achieve? Let's get that, you know, get that set. You know, if you want just sales driven, you know, doing organic content is probably not the way to go. It's probably you want to do more ad based kind of stuff. And also too, if you want to, you know, get content out there, can you actually create content? Do you have anyone that can create it? Do you know what I mean? Like get on that even like me, Ashley and I have talked a bunch of times about this working together too. I mean, I can only do so much for you, but if you don't know what exactly you want to do from a content perspective and you don't have the resources to produce that content, what I can do for you is not really going to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I was going to ask you too, Judy, is that you are, you're actually on so many different channels, but you're doing them so well. So what, what we, what I see a lot is, and I'm, I'm so guilty of this. I think I have an Ash McGrath writing page on Facebook that is completely dead. And so I just don't have the bandwidth to, to be out there like that. And so, you know, do you have a primary platform that you feel that you live in, or do you feel like you're spending equal amounts of time on all of them? I'm probably spending somewhat equal amounts a little bit on all of them. And I think the reason why is because, and I show up on them differently. So on Facebook, I actually feel like I'm going out and engaging in people's content and what they're posting, mainly because some of the connections that I make at conferences, they're on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then some things with Instagram, but a lot of the Instagram content, I'm in people's stories. Mm. So I'm not necessarily paying attention to what they're putting in the news feed. Mm-hmm. And so from that consumption perspective, I find that really interesting because, um, and then with LinkedIn, I spend a lot of time, but I'm also now spending a lot of time with my clients. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have to balance what I'm doing there now. And a lot of people even have said, Judy, we're not seeing your content as much. And what I learned, cause somebody asked me recently, what have I outsourced? What am I doing? And I'm starting to outsource some of my video and some of my um, editing. Mm -hmm. So that way the videos and some of the content can be edited. And like, for example, they could take this video and create it into micro content and put Mm -hmm. it out because I now have a team that can do that. Right. And that just started. I have not even posted one of their first ones yet. I I also have a quick question, Judy, too. Do you have like a, a platform where you actually schedule the content out or you just do it off the cuff? I have never scheduled content for myself this okay. entire time. And the reason why right. is because people say to me, what's the best time to post? And I said, the best time to post is when you can spend an hour welcoming people to your content, replying mm-hmm. back to them mm-hmm. right when they comment, right when they comment. Right. And right. so I teach people, it's not about scheduling. 
Yeah. And that's really interesting because I've actually seen, I've been that person who has had a, a post that maybe I wrote it up or I had the video recorded and I was like, okay, I need to post it at nine o'clock this morning. And then it doesn't get put out until 11. And then I get caught up in a meeting and now it's an hour and a half, two hours later. And I'm like, all these comments that now I look like I'm silent on. So yeah, I think that's such a powerful, um, you know, piece of advice is like, it's not just about posting. It's not the posting that is going to make the difference. It's the engagement that you're, and like you said, I love that you say welcoming people to your, to your content. Well, and if you think about it, all those people who make, I'm thinking from a sales and marketing perspective and community building. Yep. So if you get, it doesn't, it, at some point the views matter because I don't like to say they never matter. I think right. at some point they do. <laughs> yeah. But I will say what does matter for money and for results and for business, if you're there on your content and those 10 people comment, those are more warm leads. Right. That you have an audience of warm uh, conversations that can happen and maybe those people will never become clients but they're way more warm to recommend you to somebody else yes so it's kind right. of like you're ignoring those people who are warm yeah. plain and simple so then it comes down to not necessarily getting numbers on your content but actually responding to people and creating a trust factor that's mm -hmm. there yeah. And so that, you know, I just wanted to back up for a second. So obviously when you started on, on social media, you didn't just decide to be on five or six platforms, right? So can you tell the audience a little bit about what that kind of ramping up period was like for you? How did you build momentum for yourself? I would say that I started on LinkedIn in 2008, 2009, right when the crisis hit. So I lost my job and I saw LinkedIn as a long-term place to just hold on to connections you've made at conferences. And it's that, I always thought as that place just to hold your resume. And then I never necessarily thought you could create, first of all, you couldn't even put out video on there anyways. You, yeah. you only had so many people who could be thought leaders back then, the big people, mm -hmm. <laughs> influencers. And over time, I built up other platforms like Pinterest and Facebook, but it was all from a place of Facebook's friends and family and right. never really thought of it as business. And then I thought of Pinterest as I wanted to get my blog out there and get seen. And Pinterest yeah. is huge for that. If uh, yes, yep. Google's no right now that. these days and immediately clicks image results. Mm -hmm. I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I video or image. And so I think that's still like super powerful, obviously. I mean, you guys would agree. <laughs> so I, I have a question about an emerging platform that you might have seen some of my videos have been talking about is TikTok. Have yeah. you uh oh. Crap. Hello? Really? What happened? Ooh, I'm recording now. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to steal this from you, but oh no. Um, That's okay. Oh, I can send her this recording. Yeah, we can, let me see. Hold on. Let me see if we get in Yeah, back. let's see if she'll log oh, back. She got the screen of death. 
No. Technology, see what happened was I jinxed everything with the technology gods just came down to us and just said, okay, you will pay for the disrespect of me. I can continue talking. <laughs> yeah, right. But you'll probably, uh, yeah, j yeah, I guess we'll just go. Why not? This is what we, this is our whole uh, thing, uh, Judy, is just go with it. So we're going with it. Well, I'm going to back up and say my, the rest of my story and then go back into maybe TikTok or just being on all the platforms. I don't sure. necessarily sure. think you, and what I did personally was when I got back really on social media, I took about a four year break from being posting anything anywhere. Right. And during that four year break, I was either working for a corporation two of those years, or I was building my business by using LinkedIn, but only in the DMs and mm -hmm. through connections, direct connections. Yeah, the scenes stuff, right? Yeah. And I think people forget that so much can happen behind the scenes on LinkedIn mm -hmm. that actually still drives your content when you actually become a creator. Because what I notice right. is if I'm having a direct message conversation, I've noticed LinkedIn's more likely to show me their content and vice versa. So there is no downside to getting all connected in the direct messages. It's not downtime, if that makes sense. Right. So, Absolutely. We'll, I was we'll just having the conversation, Ashley, about um, how I took four years off social media and then specifically came back online, but I was on LinkedIn the whole time. I just never saw it as social media. <laughs> it wasn't then, right? Right, right. It's, it's now uh, kind of turned into something different. Yeah. And then when yeah. I got back online in 2018, I was built for making more, I don't know, let's say content that gets reached, but I've always had that thought process of how to create content, how to do copywriting. I've never necessarily seen myself as a copywriter, but I right. understood the power of it by having my own blog. And I started blogging in, when did I start blogging? I started blogging in 2010, I think. And I started writing what I, what are considered thought leadership pieces for mm -hmm. either environmental management or I did LinkedIn job search thought leadership pieces. Right. That's so interesting. And that's, that's the thing that's really impressive about what you're doing is that, you know, people talk all the time about building community, building community on, on social media. But I really feel like you are one of those people who is really practicing what you preach and is doing it very well. And I know that you have started building a community around your new LinkedIn accelerator. So can you tell our audience more about that? Yeah. So I will say that Getting on LinkedIn and from a perspective of growing an environmental consulting firm, which is what I did originally as my first, my first two things I grew back in 2008, 2009 were I naturally figured out how to network and job search by using LinkedIn. So what I started doing was I started offering like $500 packages, which sounds really funny now, but like <laughs> to help people job search on LinkedIn. And I have an entire, like behind me, I have all my folders. I still have all those clients that I, and I have a folder wow. for every single one. And I was just getting organized this past weekend and I was looking at all them. And that goes back, like I said, to 2008, 2009, 2010. And then I kept it up as a side business when I went back into corporate. And like I said, I grew my environmental consulting firm. So when it came to launching this LinkedIn business accelerator, it comes from my ability to now be out on the platform, making public waves on my content, getting views, getting engagement, getting likes and comments. 
but also what happens in the direct messages. How do you convert that? How do you, like I said at the beginning of this, uh, this podcast, how do you move quickly from that conversation will never turn into an ideal client and that's okay, but just you might have to just move on, archive, delete, or mark as spam. LinkedIn yeah. has a pretty good spam folder now that I don't think people realize. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. It's <laughs> hidden. LinkedIn's hiding things. So oh, right now, <laughs> if you click in the top right corner of the person's message to you, mm -hmm. it has the ability to report and it looks scary. And you're like, oh, I don't want to report them. But underneath that, all it does is have an area that you can report like, oh, it's scary to report. And then there's another category underneath that that says just mark as spam. That's amazing. Uh, why uh, didn't they put that? Archive. Why don't they tell us that stuff? Like put a video out. <laughs> and I know? need to put a video out. This. Good. Yes. Do it. This Do it. edit it right here and say, everyone, there is a spam folder. And I notice stuff is auto ending up in my spam folder now because I've taken, I tell people take 10 minutes, mark at least five to 10 messages of spam. And LinkedIn has started to filter okay. out that hi hello those types of messages really? i consider that's spam awesome. they end up in my spam folder now that's amazing and then that's one one piece of feedback i've heard a lot we have uh belinda armid coming on soon and she talks a lot about how the linkedin inbox needs some work so it's it's really cool that you found that feature because i think i know i'll definitely use that for sure yeah. i mean it's not perfect nothing on linkedin or any platform no nope. platform is perfect but I definitely, I don't know if I, I love clicking around everywhere on LinkedIn. I literally am always checking everything out and yeah, I get made fun of for being like, LinkedIn has a new feature. No, no, you know what? I saw your, I saw your video about what the, you know, when you go to a conference, people tell who's in the room that they moved it. No one knew who they moved it to. So I did. We were sitting around like, where the freaking heck did this button go? I don't have find nearby. And then I learned that I was at a I was at a conference and the internet was so spotty, but they removed the ability to leave it on all the time. So when you exit, so I, I understand the power of making sure it gets turned off and you right. don't want it running in the background. I understand that. But the problem is by removing it, what happened is during this whole conference, if you happen to literally be on it at the exact same time, that's only when you would see who was nearby. You can actually, you can leave it on now, I think. Well, so, they, the, right when I was at that conference, it, was, it yeah. wasn't an option anymore. The only reason I know this is because I randomly got a notification in my notifications that said, do you want to turn this on? And I'm like, cool. I, I knew that they hid that somewhere. So I turned it on and then like four days later, got a notification that said it was still on. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so. mine doesn't let, uh, not that you can see my screen, but it doesn't let me toggle. Like I used to be able to toggle it on and off. Doesn't let me mm -hmm. do that now. So interesting. So while, we're talking, while we're talking about feature, I could ask you one question about, so the trending topics, mm -hmm. the hashtags, what's your take on that? Do you feel there's value to that? Because to me, I, I actually- post Trending topics and hashtags. So I was, that's two different I say trending, well, it says that you're, Post it is now trending. I should. Oh say. yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you find any? Because we, it's a mystery to me. Because I'm like, well, if it's trending, it's not really moving from any kind of a traffic standpoint, an engagement standpoint. And then LinkedIn actually joined the conversation and actually commented. I could not believe it. I was like, whoa, Big Brother is listening. But 
I just wanted your take on that. If you find any value in that, do you use it? Or I think a lot of things on LinkedIn at the beginning, we, when they come out with a new feature or a new thing or new right. way of the platform, I feel like it's not maybe optimized to work the way we all want it to. Because at first I think I was looking at those and kind of a little bit eye rolling because some right. people were like, Oh my gosh, I'm trending. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't mean that in a rude way. It's just at the beginning, I think these trending, I'm trending in this hashtag really didn't actually mean anything. No. But I will say it doesn't mean that it's not going to mean anything for the future. So right. They're building out capacity right now. I think the condition is like, tw like Twitter, if you're trending, that means something different. Well, and I think when you're trending in LinkedIn, I think they're trying to now make it stay at the top of the hashtags when you mm -hmm. go to search. Mm. I don't think that was built out at the beginning when you were trending. So I think trending didn't totally mean as much or right. the algorithm didn't pick up that they should keep showing that because it was trending. I think they were just kind of saying you were trending and then didn't really drive too many more views or too many more likes or comments. Right. And that's why I was confused too. And I didn't mean that in a rude way, but I was checking some of the things people were excited about trending. And I was like, that has a hundred views. So how is that trending? <laughs> right. <laughs> what does trending mean to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think trending is something to be excited about. And I think if you figured out how to make that happen, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's right. just kind of funny because it will mean something eventually, or it will mean more and more as LinkedIn has gotten better and better at the hashtags. Even right. LinkedIn, I, I noticed something this past week. I get all excited about all the things I noticed. <laughs> but I have been making a solid comment strategy to use hashtag Fox Rocks in a lot of my comments. Right. And right. that was not showing up when you searched hashtag Fox Rocks you were not finding my comments. You were just finding my content or anyone who posted right, about me. Right. But this past week, really? I finally, LinkedIn is picking up my comments in my hashtag and is showing those to my hashtag community now. Oh, that is really I cool. I have been leaning into that and I'm so glad I did because it's showing past ones. It's showing ones from seven months ago, which is crazy. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely worked. And you, you probably know too, I'm sorry, we're getting all geeky. No. I do know too that we have the your, your first three hashtags actually appears in the URL of the actual post. Oh, I know. I've pointed that out to somebody too recently. I love all this stuff, but that's why I am in on LinkedIn and why I do LinkedIn Business Accelerator because mm -hmm. I am keeping my finger on the pulse of what's really going on, how right. it works. And I, I will take people's content who are only getting a hundred, 200 likes or no, no, a hundred or 200 views mm -hmm. and maybe two likes, maybe one comment. And I'm ramping them up the very first week that we start posting in the group. Most people are hitting 5,000 plus views at that point. Like that's awesome. Even up to 10,000 I had, but I have a whole strategy for how to grow so many people think, oh my gosh, I need to make my first video or, oh my gosh, I need to make a post on LinkedIn. What do I talk about? And I tell people, that's not what we do. We mm -hmm. first go out and we find the movers and shakers we want to hang out with. We go all in on Ash and Joe's content. You see what I mean? And right. you show interest in all of your content because two reasons. It's number one, going to create more of a relationship with Ashley and Joe. 
and num- or me, Judy. And <laughs> number two, it's going to make LinkedIn think we're closely connected by right. going all in on your content. You are more likely to see my content. Right. And like you said, it's not going out. It's it, see, that's, that's the differentiating factor too, because I think people will try to do something like that, but they'll go out and just do this mass ad strategy where they, Oh, somebody works in social media and I like social media. So I'm going to add them, but it's going beyond that. And it's really finding the people, not only who maybe are, have overlap with you because of their title, their position or where they work, but having overlap with you because you actually look at their content and their content is resonating with you. And that's the reason and why you're choosing, you know, this social media marketer over this social media marketer because they vibe with you on that frequency and you're, and you're investing in that relationship. I mean, it's also like, you know, SEO for websites, the same thing. You need to know all the tricks and the algorithms and what's changing. It's the same thing with LinkedIn. You have to know the tricks and what's changing and work with it. You know, same thing. Well, and so, I also tell people, and I heard this from somebody else, but I, The concept of social media, we do take things from one platform to another. So for Mm -hmm. example, on Instagram, we follow. That's just the terminology on Instagram. Well, that terminology still works on LinkedIn because there is the ability to follow somebody. So what I tell people, instead of trying to connect and have a whole connection strategy, start by following. Right. Uh, That's okay. It is okay to follow people. And what it does is it's that step to building social capital. Because Uh, a lot of people think about a connection strategy first. And I tell people, let's have a follow strategy. It's like baby steps. First week, we look to who we want to follow and don't worry about your newsfeed. Stop feeling like the newsfeed owns you never it doesn't own you on any platform <laughs> it's like uh, day before out. you get married day before you get married like, you know, <laughs> what do you mean first, no just see what the person's content's all about and then if you feel there's that connection they get married <laughs> well and yeah. just like i think a lot of people talk about it but like if you think about it it's very similar to go to a conference if you were going to go to a conference I might go follow all the people who are going and that I see hashtagging the conference or having whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I go follow them. We go to the conference and then their number one may be more likely to connect then versus you just randomly and you're liking that they're at this conference and you're checking the hashtag and you're, and you happen to be following them. So you see their content if they actually post that they're at the conference. Right. Well, and that's, it kind of reminds me of your, was it a podcast episode with Richard Moore that you did when you guys talked about the right to ask. And I think that that's really, you had mentioned in that episode um, about building social capital. And that's what I really think it is. It's, it's, And the right to ask, I think people get it confused with that means that I need to ask them for something in terms like a collaboration or an actual business or referral partnership. But honestly, like what you're saying is the right to ask is actually, you know, giving, getting top of mind with somebody so that they, you know, that ask can just be, Hey, could you also maybe support my content? You know, that type of, it doesn't necessarily have to be this like huge business deal that you're putting together with somebody. It's the, it's the right to enter a reciprocal relationship with somebody, even just if it's engagement and commenting. Well, and there, like you just mentioned, there's the law of reciprocity. I can never say that. Re- re- being reciprocal. There you go. I can't say it either. But there's an, you know, just Google that term, the law of reciprocity, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And you, 
you know that human beings naturally, if somebody comes over and a new neighbor welcomes you, you're more likely to say hi to that neighbor more and then to interact more with that neighbor than the neighbor who never came over to say hi or welcome you to the neighborhood. So Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that is in person is online. And that's why trying to move and trying to control the conversation to make it your sales call, to make it those people who had connected with you, Joe, and then they ended up trying to move it to a sales call. They probably could have just had a nice chit chat, said, do you get permission and say, do you mind if we spend like five minutes where we tell you a little bit about what we're up to? Cool. Then you say yes, then it's okay. But they set the boundaries, set expectations um, be just a normal person that has normal boundaries around getting permission. That's permission-based marketing. Do I have your permission to send you a message about X, Y, Z or whatever? Do I have your permission to send my next post to you? If you think you like my content or right. Do I have your permission to add you to my email list? (laughs) Ooh, yeah. Don't add me. (laughs) Yeah. I keep my email very tight and Mm -hmm. I, I don't like being on email lists anymore. And I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of people, especially younger generation, they have a totally separate email. That's like almost a dead account that they give their email to email lists. Oh my gosh. My niece and nephew, they have, they have like throwaway email account, like like burner phones. (laughs) Yeah. It's just for subscriptions or opt-ins or whatever people want. Uh, sign up for this store's coupons. Well, they right. just give that email, and that no, you're right. email I do that too. is only for that. It's like a spam folder almost. Yes, a spam email. A yep. spam email. And I tell people <laughs> all the time that are saying, "Oh my gosh, you need to be- build my email list." I don't work at building my email list. I have 200 people now, but 200 people that are actually want to be on there versus right. 200 right. people. I could have 50,000, and of those 50,000, 200 could actually care. Exactly. Right. And there's exactly. no way to piss somebody off faster in this day and age than to just throw them on some garbage email list yeah. and, or start spamming them all of your articles on LinkedIn when you've never even talked. Or when you connect with them on LinkedIn and then before you know it, you're on their email list. You, you know what I mean? Because your email is now uh, to them. They, they scraped your data it. is what they did. Yeah. They connected oh, with you and they scraped your data. Mm, well, the you. one thing I want to add to the Richard Moore podcast, which you find awesome. Which he is awesome. We're talking about him. I'll tell him we were talking about him. He um, he, I will take that conversation one step further because I've noticed that it's not just at the earn the right to ask, but don't make the other people work too hard on the other end of the connection. So it's almost like you do all the work. Mm-hmm. If you want to build the relationship, then it's on your shoulders to build it. And what I notice is too many people even saying, Hey Judy, glad to be connected. How are you? They're putting the relationship building, all the emotional and physical mm-hmm. and uh, get back to me on me by even asking, how are you? And a lot mm-hmm. of people think that's a light intro. I'm like, no, 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 no. That, what, number one, I don't know you enough to tell you how I really am. Number two, <laughs> I now have to do all the heavy lifting for how to start a cold conversation because I don't know you. Right. It's the same way with work to build a, from a cold connection versus you. If you want my connection, don't ask me how I am. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. You see what I mean? Like, 
Oh. Well, because you're gonna get a good, you're gonna get, they're going to get a generic answer anyways. Like you said, you don't know them well enough to be like, well, actually, um, you know, my morning was awful and I was late for a meeting. And <laughs> do you really want to know? Because you really probably don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah it's so funny. It's so funny. But I mean, I understand the societal thought process behind it because we ask people how they are all the time. But what do we say? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. And then it ends there. 70% of the time, it's not the truth. <laughs> yeah, so if you really do, if you, I think of those people as not really wanting to create a conversation with me. They're just saying, hi, how are you? And I ignore them now. I move so fast, I don't even give them, I don't give them an answer. Or I have a generic copy and paste that says, I only get to know new connections in the comments online. Feel free to follow my hashtag. Yeah. I, you know, I think to do one better too, because I think that the difficulty for people is, well, I do want to make that connection, but maybe I'm just super awkward. And I did, I have been that person who has sent that message and I've gotten no response. Yeah. You know, for me, I know it's worked incredibly well for me or when I get these messages from other people is, hi, nice to meet you. Thank you for connecting with me. I saw that your post the other day that said X, Y, and Z, or I saw your comment on so-and-so's post and it really resonated with me because, and it really, again, it shows that A, you've put the time and effort into getting to know, really trying to get to know somebody and B, it gives you some kind of common thread to talk about that's deeper than my day's good. How's yours? Good. All right. Thanks. Well, I notice in that you're not actually asking them a question. And I like that because what I notice is so many people are, a, I, they're getting advice and I've seen the advice because I've seen the coaching and mm -hmm. I know they're getting advice to tell them to ask, what are your goals or what are you up to? Or how was your week? Or, and I ask myself, if you want to carry the conversation, do what Ashley just said, hold it, make sure they know you saw their content and feed into them and be uh, that law of reciprocity where you've just given to them and you're not asking anything back and more likely you'll get a response. Judy, I That's think you so need to hashtag that. Yeah, the fact that I can't even say it. I can't say it either, so feel bad. I'm gonna have to like Google voice where it's like, law of reciprocity. <laughs> <laughs> califragilistic. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> No, but like what I do is when people connect with me, I don't really connect with a lot of people, believe it or not. I usually let them come to me and then kind of check out their profile, what they're into, if they're posting, if they're not posting. But when they, I always ask them, how's the battle? What are you working on? Mm -hmm. So then I'm like, actually kind of see if there's a synergy there at all. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you've already connected to me, reached out to me, but this is not gonna just be a generic, let's just uh, connect with Joe. I wanna see if there's someone behind the keyboard. Mm -hmm. So I know, Judy, that the, the LinkedIn Accelerator is actually a 2.0 version from LinkedIn like a fox. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious is, you know, you've talked to us a little bit about what it's like to build a community from scratch and also some of the other experiences in your life that you've now integrated into where you are today. Mm -hmm. But what have you brought into this new iteration that you learned from the first time, the first round that you did this? So what I brought into it is actually hiring my own coach to turn and dive into what makes a six star experience, number one, and then what also creates a coaching system that gets results because we have to have an accountability we hear all the time. There's being able to write down your goals will get you so far. Being able to tell the world about your goals and the world hold you accountable will help you. But the actual accountability of more one-on-one -on -one or even in a small group 
that is what moves the needle for people because mm -hmm. we operate and a lot of people talk about loneliness and entrepreneurness, but we really do operate in a vacuum sometimes. And mm -hmm. basically me hiring a coach helped me number one, see what to automate because there's some things that should be automated because it's okay, but there's some things that should still stay high touch. And a lot of people have encouraged me to create a course. I am still resisting that, I think, because I know that I want to get results and I'm still not ready to release what I know you can put into place. So we've got week one now organized what you do. I have deliverables. It's like homework, but Fox work. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Fox. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's not from a place of you need to do all these things. It's if you do this this week, if you do this this week, if you do this the third week, this is the results. And now I've been able to prove that over and over versus this sense of overwhelm that the platform right. maybe gives people a feeling oh, yeah. of that they Absolutely. have to be everything. Yeah. And I'm I, trying to tell them they don't have to do everything, but here's the things that will move the needle. Well, that, that's well, a breath of fresh air because I, I think a lot, of, a lot of what you see out there, everybody's like, magic wand. I had 50,000 followers. I have all this engagement. And people don't know what really is going on behind the scenes or what that you, like, it was very good for you to say, yeah, I have people doing my videos. I'm not doing them all by myself. There's no way I can do them all by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that shows the people that, okay, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to hire someone from whatever freelance site to help you out. It's not just a one man or one woman show. It's interesting too that you point out people getting overwhelmed by LinkedIn and the vastness of what the platform can or can't do for you. But it's also interesting if you bring that back over to what you said about having a course versus a group coaching program, because I know and all of us know that there is an extremely high percentage of people who will purchase a $1,500 course and never finish it because that's the business model of the course is that, mm. hey, we've got a crap load of stuff for you guys to engage in. Here's all your resources. We've opened up all your dashboards. Work at your own pace. And we'll have two calls over a six-month period. And that's when you can ask me all your questions versus me and eight other people get Judy on the phone, what, I don't know, once a week or whatever, your, the pacing. two here. sessions a week in the group. Oh, coaching. wow. That's, and see, that's the reason why is because like, I'm basically saying I'm in this with you. I can, and I have done, like I said, I did LinkedIn like a Fox. Those were my founding members. And now I've leveled it up to 2.0, but they all have access to this next round. So that's, that's what I was going to ask you. So that's you're 30 people who went through to help me give me all the questions that, and make, they were like the people I could experiment on and I right. could, I could have as my guinea pigs. And now I've got three packages. So I have my VIP level where those are my clients that are like, I, it's VIP, which means right. you get me, you get me in your content, on your content you get me in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I've got my next package, which is still one-on-one, -on -one, but it's more of a retainer. Like how do you, how do you, you're going to create the content and then I'm going to come in and do my Fox magic and then right. have my group coaching. So those are the three different layers and the pricing is, you know, obviously as you can imagine, yeah. VIP being the highest middle is the one-on-one -on -one as retainer and the, the group coaching. So do you now, when you're getting people into this group coaching, are you then creating like a Facebook group or something for everybody to live in after the fact and keep the conversation going? I am looking into that. I've actually looked at having it just 
turn the one that is open and free right now, which I named the Empire Squad. I'm looking at rebranding that to just being the Fox Squad. Right. Easy. <laughs> and letting that live on and closing it. Everyone who's in right now, you're like, get in there. But then <laughs> anyone wants in in the future. And the reason I do it like that is because you, the people who are in there right now have already actually invested in me. Right. And I, it's not like, oh my gosh, you need to pay to be in this group now. It's more like I honor the fact that you've probably fed into and invested in me for the past year. So you're in. And mm -hmm. you've already shown that you want to be here. Right. Now, anyone who wants to get in, it's a membership model because there is that. What I have learned, especially by leveling myself up with a coach, I'm able to give more if I am thriving and not in survival mindset financially with myself. Well, and here's something too, in terms of adding additional value to your, to your course members. So let's say somebody's on the fence, or sorry, not course, group coaching. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if somebody is on the fence about, because again, for some people, especially I'd imagine for the folks that you're working with, they're at the beginning of their journey, they might be very financially strapped or bootstrapping it. And they're really just waiting for that kind of, I just need to get my first few leads under my belt. And I, and I, but they also understand how that can help them. Mm -hmm. So bringing it back around to, is this worth my, my money, time, and energy? For me, I know that I have gotten so much business by being willing to pay a premium to be in smaller rooms with groups of people. And so the reason I asked about your Facebook group is that I'm in a copywriting group that I pay an $80 a month subscription to be in. They also have a podcast and they have all this content and it's amazing. But the, the additional value has been people reaching out to me for collaborations just from the very nature of being in that group and seeing me on a, maybe show up in a different way than just in the LinkedIn feed or in my own content. You're having more intimate conversations right. with yeah. So, yeah. So Richard Moore's in the Fox squad. I've got yeah. Michaela Alexis. I have Chantel Sumas. So yes. All, all star team. Yes. But yeah. that's the thing. And Lila Smith and mm -hmm. like, but that's why it's not a matter. I think too many people wanted me at the beginning to create a membership model. And I didn't really even hardly build out a Facebook group that was thriving and big, but now it makes sense. And it finally made sense from finally going out and saying, look, guys, I need my founding members to be these rock stars. You're all in. And that way it could build out from there. But uh, well, yeah. that's, that's something valuable to mention too. And, and we, we're going to wrap this up in just a minute, but you know, something that's incredibly valuable to mention for people is that people tend to think that they have to get on a platform. And then in order to be successful entrepreneurs, they have to start checking these boxes. Now I have a course. Now I have a podcast. Now I have X, Y, and Z, but it's very valuable that you say it's, it's about timing. And when that timing is right and knowing intuitively where you can give your energy at any given time versus where you can't. So for example, you say, I'm not building my email list. There might be some people who say that's everything. I have, I spend all of my time. I have tons of people list. posting and saying yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I so, say to myself, the one good thing about growing on LinkedIn is you technically have access to everyone's email. Right. Right. So as far as that, as a platform, as a selling point is huge. Yes. But don't so, add them to your email list. <laughs> just, yeah, don't do that without permission. Just make sure you have access to their email so that if the sh platform did shut down, you, you could probably send out, and I do probably have a list that's pretty freaking huge, 
that I could turn around, send a one-off message, right. say, unfortunately, LinkedIn, XYZ, um, you know, God forbid, like the whole platform shuts down completely. Like I fine. Could, I could, without spam, without adding them to an email list, I could send a one-off message saying, you've not been added to an email list. I'm just sending this to all my connections. Yes. So I have one last, not serious at all question for you. Woo! So, so <laughs> podcasts, books, Netflix, pumpkin spice lattes, what are you completely in love with or totally nerding out on right now? Oh, I love my son. Can I nerd out on him? Of course. <laughs> yes. Of course. Um, it's just such an amazing age, seven years old. I feel like a lot of the ages have been pretty amazing, but he's so much fun and we read books and we hang out and he's saying he wants to start a YouTube channel, which I'm just super Oh, happy. after his mom. Come on now. He wants to create, or he said he wanted to create a YouTube channel teaching other kids how to work out or inspire them to work out. That's awesome. At a young age, that's a good that's thing. So he somebody. was so focused. Not, oh, like his yeah. mom. So I'm nerding down, out. Trickle down. <laughs> that's awesome. Good for you. Good I'll, for I'll you. Out, why don't we just nerd out on our kids? Because I'm going to do it too. So my son's six and he's learning to skate. And then he was, oh, and that's me like a dad being a big hockey fan too. He's going to start hockey next week, a uh, couple weeks. And then what happened was he didn't want, he was scared of his bike, but what happened is skating got his balance. So he hopped on his bike and rode the bike. Nice. That's so awesome. I was like, yeah, now he's like, can I ride the bike all the time? I'm like, good. That's awesome. Cause you don't need to ride all the time. So it'd be good. Um, but that was, yeah, nerding out my kid too. I'm nerding out. You know, it's, it's going to sound so basic, but I'm actually totally nerding <laughs> out on fall right now. It's just like, just starting to get kind of like cold here in Massachusetts. And I, um, just was re really in a cooking mood this weekend and made all kinds of, it is like butternut squash a palooza right now at my house. And my family is totally sick of me, but yeah. So that's what I'm nerding out right now. Still in the nineties here in Virginia, we're still going to the pool. Ooh. Oh, Our wow. is still open. So yeah. One thing I gotta I commend, to uh, <laughs> commend Ashley is uh, she's able to use a very sharp knife and do a video at the same time. So that was very That's unbelievable. Right. That's right. <laughs> nice. I never want to stop talking to you guys, but we're going to have to go. Right. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being on the podcast, Judy. We really, really appreciate you. Plug Yay. your stuff quick. Plug your, uh, your, uh, yes. Yeah, so go to judifox.com. Number one, you'll be able to find all my handles to everything, including TikTok. Um, and, and LinkedIn. <laughs> and then the um, LinkedIn Business Accelerator is open. I open it or I plan to open it three times a year, estimating right now, because I feel like that's a good uh, amount to uh, process people through and truly give them the best service that I can provide. Nice. And I do oh. have an ambassador program, but you have to be accepted one by one. But Ooh. there's a lot of special Ooh. stuff in the ambassador program. Very exclusive. It is exclusive. But it, when you're in, it's, it's well worth it. It's not, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like I don't want to play in small numbers. Mm -hmm. And I, as my passion of thinking early on, I kept thinking, how do I support other businesses? Or, or that actually is supporting other businesses and other people by right. creating an ambassador program, not a, not necessarily referral because, mm -hmm. or what's that other thing people say, uh, uh affiliate. Uh, affiliate. Yeah. I like ambassador. And the reason why is because there's some juicy stuff in there. Definitely. Some real money. On, awesome. on that note. <laughs>